0: Jesus, a much bigger shout. Come on, you can do better than that. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for uh, being here on Labor Day weekend. It's an uh, awesome time to come to church. I'm honored and privileged to be up here on this stage at all of our campuses. Our campus pastors are preaching. um, But our campus pastor, he is gone because uh, his wife, Emma, just gave birth to little Bailey. I think we got a picture. Oh my goodness. Wow. She is just so cute. I think some babies, when they're just born, they look scary, but Bailey is like perfect. Like, wow. That is just crazy, crazy, but it's exciting for them. So make sure to message them on Instagram or text them if you got their number and say congratulations. I'm sure they'll be back next week or the week after. Um, But I'm just excited and honored that um, they asked me to to preach um, and be here. And uh, I've been a part of this church for my whole life. And it's uh, an incredible time that I've been able to spend here my my whole life. You know, I haven't experienced other churches, so I guess I don't know what I'm missing. Um, But I'm kidding. Kidding. Some of you got nervous there. Um, but I just want to honor my wife. Um, we just celebrated two years of marriage last month, um, which is amazing. So incredible. I say last month because it's September. It's crazy September just snuck up on us. Um, and also want to honor someone in the room. Maybe you don't know who this is, but um, Pastor Doug, he's sitting up here in the front. Um, Pastor Doug, he's our um, a, assistant superintendent for the Assemblies of God. It's the movement of churches that we're a part of, and he actually helps oversee and pastor hundreds of churches in this region. And so just honored that you're here, honored for the sacrifice that you make for the church all across this state and this region. And So just grateful that you're here and a part of this service as well. So um, I'm excited that I get to kick off uh, this series um, talking about Philippians, which is absolutely amazing. If you've never read the book of Philippians all the way through, you could probably do it um, in 20 minutes. It's pretty quick it's just a few chapters but there is so much richness in this book and I'm just excited over the next few weeks that we get to talk about it but I kind of get to lay the foundation of where Philippians you know is where we're at where we find it in this story but really Philippians is a book of, of thanks and a book of encouragement because Paul knows that sometimes living a life for God can be difficult he's gone through a lot of it he's actually writing the book from prison and so he's gone through a lot of difficulty in his life but he He knows that it's difficult, but he gives us a lot of promises and a lot of encouragement for us um, to to basically grab a hold of. And maybe there's verses that you know, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in Philippians. Or don't worry about anything or be anxious, but pray about everything. That's also there. There's many other verses that maybe you would know that's in Philippians that we're going to be diving in uh, over the next few weeks. But as I set the table, I want us to read um, from... Philippians 1, verse 3, it's kind of the very beginning of Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and he starts it off this way. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you to the church. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to complete completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to come here in church and hear from your word. God, I pray that the words that I speak will be uh, from you and that we would get something out of this message we receive and be encouraged on this Labor Day weekend. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When I think about finishing and completion, as, uh, as Paul talks about it, I think sometimes I struggle to know when I should finish something, when I should start something. I think most recently the example I can think of was last night as I was finishing up my sermon. Uh, my wife came over to me in the living room and she goes, oh, I, sh- I should have stopped eating sweet Martha's cookies. <laughs> she goes, I have way too many cookies. And I said, well, how many did you have? She said, just too many. I said, babe, how many did you have? She said, I think 20. <laughs> I said, you ate your weight in cookies. You weigh 90 pounds, and you probably ate that many in cookies. But it can be difficult for us to know what we're supposed to finish and what we're supposed to stop. Um, I know I'm guilty of that a lot, a lot of times, with food and things like that. I don't have as much of a sweet tooth as Mac does. Uh, last service, as I was talking about this story, she was biting into a donut. Um, Love you, love you. Um, I remember a time, though, where I uh, made a mistake in, in in trying to do something that I probably shouldn't have. I probably should have stopped sooner, but um, I was ignorant and I was uh, actually across the world at the time. I did an internship over on the border of Syria working with refugees in 2015. Um, it was an amazing experience, able to just see some amazing people um, who are going through a really difficult time in their life, many of them still going through it now um, four years later. Uh, but I was over there in, in the country of Lebanon, but on the border of Syria, and we were working in a refugee camp, um, and basically our, our role was to play with some of the kids and encourage them because they had been displaced from their home, and they'd been going through all this terrible war, and really we wanted to bring some hope and have the kids smile. So we brought some inflatables, we did some skits, played games. It was an absolutely amazing time. And towards the end of the time we were there, um, there was a little kid that came up to me and um, we were playing games and I thought it'd be a great idea to just like do arm wrestling because, you know, I didn't speak Arabic and I, you know, I wasn't really sure how to communicate. So games are a great way to do that. So I started arm wrestling some toddlers and le- letting them win to be nice. I didn't want to be that really mean guy that comes in, and just starts beating toddlers at arm wrestling. Uh, that'd be a little rude and kind of prideful, um, but I'm working on it. Um, I really wanted to win, but I let him win so i 'm letting these little kids come, and then all of a sudden the kids start getting older, and the crowd starts getting bigger and um, you know they're eight nine year olds i 'm still kind of letting them win because I didn't want to lose to you know kids that were younger than me, but all of a sudden, from the distance in the crowd, I saw someone that was a formidable opponent. he was about my age. I was um, eighteen at the time, and um I thought, you know what, this is a guy that I probably could try against. I probably could actually it'd be a, a good good match. And so he starts walking up and people start chanting his name and clearly was popular in the area. And so um, he comes up and we kind of like nod at each other and kind of get up, put our arms on the table and start arm wrestling. And it was all fun and games for so the first part. We were kind of going back and forth, mutually agreeing that we were just putting on a good show for the kids. But all of a sudden his head kind of snapped at me and he gave me this evil look. so I gave him an evil look right back because I knew it was on and so I started trying and I was working really really hard he was working really really hard as well and you know both of us about the same size it was a good match and all of a sudden I heard in the, the midst of the crowd one of our translators running through the kids saying Logan stop let him win I'm thinking, what you talking about? I ain't gonna let him win. Like, this is my defining moment in life is to win at arm wrestling. And then all of a sudden from the other side, another one of our translators, she came running up. She goes, Logan, stop, let him win, let him win. Thinking, what's the big deal? So I ended up trusting them. I'm glad I did, but I I put my hand down to the other side and he kind of looked at me and gave me a little bit of a smirk and walked away, and I go over to one of our translators and I say, what was the deal with that? Like, why did you want me to let him win? Like, what's the deal? And they said, he, he was panting, and he looked like he saw a ghost. He was just like, so distraught. And he goes, Logan, you don't understand. He goes, that kid is old enough, he's an adult now, and he actually just joined this, the gang that's a part of this community. And he said, he just joined. And because you're a foreigner and you were arm wrestling, and that's considered like, like a, almost like a battle. And his older brother, who's the leader of the gang, was actually standing behind him, and he had a knife in his hand. And he said, this culture in in the Middle East, it's a shame and honor culture. And so if you were to come in as a foreigner, an adult, and beat this guy who just came into this gang, you'd actually shame him. And so his brother maybe would have came after you with his knife afterwards because you shamed his brother. And his brother would have been kicked out of the tribe, and I would have maybe ended up dead. So maybe it was a good idea that I didn't finish Arm wrestling. And how many of you know I did not tell my mom that story until I got back from the trip on our FaceTime calls? Like, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Today was awesome at the camp today. Wow, it was amazing. But sometimes we're so convinced that we have to finish, that we have to win, that we miss what we're actually supposed to be accomplishing. You see, we get focused on what it is that we're trying to do. I was focused on trying to be the hero in this camp. I was focused on trying to be the one that people would celebrate me. But the reality was, I was actually doing something that I totally shouldn't have been doing because I didn't know the context, I didn't know the culture, and I didn't know what my calling was supposed to be. But it's difficult because you feel like you're trying to prove something to other people. Maybe you feel like you have to prove something to your family or your friends. Maybe there's people who doubted you, a teacher, a coach that doubted you before. And you say, I need to grit my teeth. I need to lock into place. I need to finish strong. But really what God's telling you is he's saying what you're trying to do, what you're trying to finish is actually going to kill you because we're focused on the wrong thing. If we actually looked up to God, if we actually looked up and saw where we were headed, we realized we're headed the complete wrong direction. And so when Paul talks about starting this good work and completing it, I think it's difficult for us because we say, oh yeah, I wanna complete it. I wanna be successful. I wanna be great. That sounds amazing. But the reality is, Paul says, completing the work that God has started in us, not completing the work that we started in ourselves, because it's so easy to look at everybody else and say, oh, I want that for myself. Or that sounds pretty good for me. Or I said when I was six years old that I was going to do this for a job and I got to prove, prove myself right. And God's saying, but you're running away from the call that I placed in your life. And Paul, as he's writing this from prison, he's giving this this amazing example of let's continue to do the work that God has put in our life. And you know how every amazing story, as we think about completion and the ending, it always starts with something. And so as we read, as Paul's writing to Philippi, maybe you ask the question, I'm always curious, to think, well, where did it start? And we actually have that account in Acts 16, I'm going to read it for us here, Um, but this is the start of the church in Philippi, and so if you put the pieces together, if you didn't know this, church in Philippi, Philippians, church in Ephesus, Ephesians, church in Galatia, Galatians, maybe you didn't know that, you don't feel dumb, I didn't know it for a while, but... Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians. That one's free. Actually, everything's free. But Acts chapter 16, we start where we see Philippi first. No believers in Europe at this time. From there, Paul's writing this. He said, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days on the Sabbath. We went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for a prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm, I'm a true believer in the Lord. She said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. Then one day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And instantly it left her. We see these two stories of these two girls. One of them is Lydia, and Lydia, she's a purple merchant, and um, knowing that fact, we know that she was probably a pretty wealthy woman, because purple was very expensive at the time. It was, you know, a, a thing that wealthy people had, so she's a, a purple merchant, and and most likely pretty well-off, or at least upper middle class, selling this purple, and we see her life get transformed. It said she feared God, but she didn't know the sacrifice of Jesus. No one in Europe knew, and she actually begins becomes the first person in all of Europe to be converted and to be a Christ Follower. And then we see on the other side, we see a slave girl. In some translations, it says the demented slave girl or the possessed slave girl. She clearly wasn't talked about in this town or this community as a positive thing. She was probably of the lowest social class. She was actually a slave to make money for the people who owned her. And so we see this church starting, the church in Philippi starts from two very different people. And maybe you're in this place and maybe you feel like you have a good job. Maybe you feel like your family is pretty good. Maybe you feel like everything's all right. Maybe you live in a good house. You drive a nice car. Everything seems to be going okay. God says, I'm here for you. I started this church in Europe with somebody who was well-off. A lot of times people think, you know, we read the verse, it's difficult for wealthy and difficult for rich people to inherit the kingdom of God, but God says the kingdom is for them as well. So there's nothing, there's no reason you have to feel wrong. Maybe you're well-off, maybe you have good things. God's saying, don't feel bad about that. You can be positive with your career, but he's saying the message of Jesus is for the rich as well. But then on the other side of this, he says, this slave girl who's possessed... She gets healed and the whole church is built upon these two women. And so maybe you're in this room, maybe you feel like you identify there, maybe you feel like there's things that torment you, maybe you feel like your back's up against the wall or finances have been tough or family life's been difficult. What God's saying to you is saying, you may be in that that point in your life, you may be stuck, but the church is for you and healing is coming. It's a great representation of the church, and I hope this is a representation of this church that we have famous, that we have faceless, that we have people who are wealthy, people who are poor, people who can give a lot, people who can't give a lot, people who are coming in hurting and broken, other people who can help. And that's an example of who we are as a church and the way that this church started. And I think it's incredible to see. When I think about the slave girl, I think about um, her testimony that she was able, said the demon that possessed her was able to tell the future. For other people, people came and they heard their futures. But the reality was this girl was in bondage and in slavery. And it made me think that maybe sometimes we're so focused on other people's futures and we say that person's family is going to be you know, amazing or wow, their success. Wow, look at them. Look at the car they drive. Look at the, the, the charisma that they have. Or man, they're going to go places. And we're focused on other people's future that we're missing our own. We're focused on other people's futures, but we're actually a slave to the things that bind us. And what Jesus is saying is I can heal that. Let's take our mind off of the futures of other people. Let's take our mind off of trying to strive and be like everybody else and focus on the race that's in front of us. And it just makes me, it makes me think so much about where am I on this journey? Am I like a Lydia who's, who's praying and seeking and who finds the truth? Or am I being tormented by the things that keep me slave? And Paul, as he's writing this, he's writing it, talking about, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful for this church. And what he's, the reason why he's saying that is because he remembers the stories. The book of Philippians is written after that in Acts, and he's saying, I remember the stories of Lydia. I remember the slave girl that was healed. I remember this church growing. He says, when I think of you and I pray, I pray with joy. I remember that. River Valley, we started with 13 people. And now we have nine campuses. We have thousands of people that worship, but it started with a few. Maybe your family, maybe you'd say, I'm at a point right now where maybe you're the only believer in your family. Or maybe you'd say, I just came in. I don't really know what I believe, but I'm here today. You can be a starting point for the future of your family, just like Lydia and the slave girl were a starting point for the history of the future of the church. And I love how... The way that we see this and and the way that we look at it, sometimes we can think about it as, as, okay, this is my job and my journey to grab. and And it's up to me to focus on this. I get it, Paul. It's up to me to complete God's work in me. But sometimes we're missing it. I love what Ephesians says. It lays it so clear for us. It's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Paul's saying, he's saying, it's not by works. It's not by saying, all right, I'm going to count how much they give. I'm going to count the hours that I serve. I'm going to count how many people I've invited. I'm going to count how many people that I prayed for. He says, it's not about that. It's not about works. It's not about Lydia, how much she could or couldn't give. It's not about a slave girl, about things that she didn't have. He said, it's about grace. It's about that faith. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And so sometimes I feel like we can be striving and working, even if it's the right direction, we start focusing instead of keeping our eyes locked in on what God has for us, we start to lose our way and start focusing on what we're able to do and what we're able to accomplish. And when I think about that last verse that I read at the beginning, it's, it's a verse that maybe we know, but you know, the, the completion of his work. And when you think, like, when do I know it's completed? When do I know it's done? Because I think that can be difficult for me. You know, when you accept Christ, you say, all right, I'm now in this forever. You know, I'm in this for the rest of my life. And, you know, maybe you're towards the end of your life and you say that's not very many years, but maybe you're beginning on and you're saying, wow, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. And the whole rest of the book of Philippians is to encourage you and say, you can do this. You, have all, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. These are verses that we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks. But he says, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But what really Paul is talking about is the words that he's using there. As he says, when you begin a sacrifice you have to complete this sacrifice. What he was talking to is he was talking to the Jews. The Jews understood this because they had ritual sacrifices that they needed to start and they had a very strict plan in order to finish. But if you stop midway through, the whole sacrifice was made obsolete. And so maybe you're at a point in your story, maybe you feel like it's been a great start or maybe you feel like you're stuck in a point with God. What Paul is saying, he's saying, you need to finish your sacrifice for God. But a lot of times you think, well, I don't know if I have anything to give. The same words that Paul's using here are the words that he uses in Romans 12. And that verse is, he said, we have been called to be a living sacrifice. And what Jesus is asking from us is he's not asking us for works. He's not asking us to just check the boxes of Christianity. He's not even asking us to do the rituals that Paul was talking about. He's saying, I've made the, the life sacrifice for you. I died the death that maybe we deserve for the sins that we committed. But all I'm asking you to do that in your sacrifice, the sacrifice I'm asking you to do is to live for me. Be a living sacrifice for Jesus. And it can be difficult at times. It can be difficult because sometimes you feel like God's maybe missed you. You're like, I want to be living this sacrifice and I want to be focusing on God. But I feel like God, part of the story is missing. I feel like I need a little bit more direction from you. And God says, I need you to keep moving. I need you to keep working. After all, Paul's writing this from prison. It may feel like he's at the end of his road. It may feel like he's at the end of his ropes, but he's saying, keep moving, keep going. You've got this. God isn't finished with you yet. I love the way that Spurgeon says this. He says, where is there an instance of God's beginning, any work and leaving it incomplete? Show me for once a world abandoned and thrown aside, half formed. Show me a universe cast off from the great potter's wheel with the design and just an outline in the clay half-hardened and the form unshapely from incompleteness. God finishes his work. And you may feel like you have a lot yet in you, but you don't know where to go, or you may feel like God's done with you, but God's God's finishing his work, but he's not yet done with you. He's not yet done with your family. He's not yet done with your grandparents or your cousins or your brothers or your sisters or your coworkers or the people that you go to school with or the people that you drive by on your commute. He's not done with the people in the buildings all throughout this city or the churches in this city or the colleges in this city. He says, I'm not done with you because I finish my work. And you maybe walked in and maybe you were super motivated, but I know for a lot of us, maybe we feel down. Maybe it was a tough summer. Maybe it's a tough year. Maybe you look at how everyone else is doing and it feels so amazing. But Christ is coming back. And we know this, and, and when a king comes back, if a king came into your village at the time, I know sometimes it's difficult to understand this because we don't have kings anymore, but when a king came into your village, what you would do is you'd bring him gifts, you'd bring him sacrifice, you'd bring him your best, and Jesus is saying, it's all good. I'm not counting what you bring me. I'm not counting what you have. I'm not counting your works. All I want is you. And maybe you're in this place, and maybe you say, that sounds pretty great. But I don't know if I've ever experienced that before. I don't know that I even have a relationship with this God that you talk about, with this Jesus that you say. In a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Something we do every single service, but we do it because we know that people walking in need the hope, need the faith that many of us have received and need that encouragement as they go and live the life for Jesus. And if you're in this place, I would just encourage you to Listen to God, what he's saying to you, because I can't tell you what your sacrifice is. I can't tell you the life that God wants you to live. Sure, there's things throughout scripture that we read. There's even things throughout this book of Philippians that we can take as that's a good thing. That's a good thing for me to do. But the reality is we're never gonna know the way that we're walking in obedience if we're not first listening to the words of what God's telling us. If we're not listening to the the place that God wants us to go because all of a sudden we could be going down a path and it seems good, but if it, just because it's good doesn't mean it's from God. So I'd encourage you over this week maybe on Labor Day if you have it off it's a day that you're you're taking a break from work to say, God, how can I continue to be a sacrifice for you? And just take some time to listen to what God's speaking to you. Because the reality is God has put us in in each of our families, in each of our schools, in each of our workplaces to reach people. He said, it's not about us. Paul didn't go into Europe. Paul didn't get thrown in prison for fun. Paul didn't do this because he thought it'd be a a good story to write about someday. He did this because he said, I know that I've been freed from wickedness. I've been freed from from depression. I've been freed from all these terrible things. This slave girl had been freed from a demon possession and God's saying that you have been freed from so much so at the very least you don't need to die the death anymore all I'm asking is that you'd live for me all I'm asking is that you tell people about this gift that you've been given so that the people throughout this city the people that aren't in this room would know about the sacrifice that Jesus paid so I'm gonna ask that we just bow our heads and close our eyes and that we'd be a people that practices what we preach And that gives people an opportunity to say yes. Maybe you came in, maybe you've never been to church in your life or it's been so long. Maybe you feel like you failed one too many times. You're down and out, it's over. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is starting a good work in you today. That you can be like Lydia. You can be like the slave girl. You can start something new that a church can form from the people's lives who are changed in this room today. So I'm gonna just count to three. And when I say three, I'm gonna simply just ask if that's you. If you say yes, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna receive this gift of salvation. I wanna have relationship with God. That when I say three, that you would just simply lift up a hand. One, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Two, he says, when you make this decision, you're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All your, all your failures, all your hurts, all your pain, is gone, your sins are as far as the east is from the west if that's you in this place, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time or coming back three, would you just simply lift up a hand yes 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 several hands going up in this place amazing church, I'm going to ask that you just simply repeat this prayer after me and that everyone would join in together dear Jesus I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong I receive your gift, the free gift of salvation, the gift of freedom, and I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.